This is Pulse 95. You're listening to the Eyes On podcast. Eyes On. Eyes On. Live from the Shorter Children's Reading Festival. Welcome back. In our first segment, we're going to be highlighting Lily Lamott. She is a best-selling author of children's and young adult fiction. And what I love the most is the fact that she actually is focusing on graphic novels. Again, as a person who loves her graphic novels and as a person who loves her manga, that is something that I truly enjoy, especially when people, usually when they look at books, um, they kind of look down on um, images and they prefer things with more writing and they say, no, that's too much too much pictures more words even though it doesn't make a difference we all shouldn't be like stop discriminating between all types of books reading is reading no matter what it is first of all welcome to the show lily thank you so much for having me here aisha it's great having you here especially here in sharjah is this your first time in sharjah It is my first time in Sharjah and in the UAE and it's amazing here. I'm glad uh, you're enjoying your time so far and I hope you enjoy it even more. Now there's something that caught my eye on your website. It says writing books for kids about food, family and friendship. So what inspired you to kick off on this journey? I've always loved reading mm-hmm. and at one point I think that a lot of times when someone is very passionate about something, mm-hmm. whether it's reading or maybe um, doing math problems, for mm-hmm. example, <laughs> at some point we want to become creators too. Mm-hmm. And what I notice is that when I usually talk to a lot of authors, they say something similar where they have had some sort of love for reading, love for writing or storytelling in general when they're growing up. But it's very rare to see somebody who has actually studied something that involves writing. So that it's another thing that also caught my eye that you have an MFA, so a Master's of Fine Arts in writing for children and young adults. So what does this kind of um, this kind of studying what what does it teach you what kind of um, weaponry did it add to your arsenal when it came to writing when i started writing i took classes at my local community college mm-hmm. and in the united states they have all sorts of programs for the community to take mm-hmm. and they cover all sorts of um, subjects i also joined society of children's book writers and illustrators mm-hmm. it is the organization that really supports authors who want to write specifically for children. Mm-hmm. They have uh, webinars and classes, conferences, and I did all of that for many years, made many friends. It's just a wonderful place to go to meet other people. And eventually I realized that I was slowly getting better at writing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I went to Hamlin to get their MFA in children in writing for children and young adults that I actually became a writer. It really gave me a writing practice mm-hmm. in a way that I didn't have before doing the program. And then of course, the faculty there are just amazing. Mm-hmm. They are so talented and have written a wonderful wonderful, wonderful books. Now your MFA is in writing for children and young adults that is super specific. Yes. Now I know master programs are usually a lot more specific than uh, undergrad uh, programs. So can you tell us a little bit of differences like just writing versus writing for a specific group like young adults and children? I've heard that a lot of times in uh, the regular MA- MFA program for adults 
they don't really know how to respond to children's literature. Hmm. And I think that because we're writing for children, we really need to either understand children to mm -hmm. write for them, or we need to really tap into our own childhood and bring that into our work. So it's, the audience is just so different, and I think their needs in some ways are so specific for children, and that's mm -hmm. why they created one for children. That, that, is, that makes a lot of sense, and it's interesting that um, various um, institutions are responding to this because they're realizing that children are a whole separate category, and they should be catered to specifically rather than just just some bunch of stories, just let's give it to the children. No, there's a whole um, science to it, there's a lot of understanding to it, and it's quite vital and, in and very, very interesting. And another interesting thing is, like as I mentioned earlier, graphic novels and illustrative uh, stories, basically. What made you choose this as a medium for your books and writing? One of the wonderful things by attending Hamlin is that I was able to work with Gene Yang, mm. and he is so much talent there. Um, he's actually a genius. He mm -hmm. was given the MacArthur Genius Grant. Wow. Yes. So I got to work with him, and when I uh, spoke to him about what kind of work I would do in the program with mm -hmm. him, we started to talk about stories. And I had this idea because I immigrated from Taiwan to the U.S. when I was very young. Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about that immigration experience. Mm -hmm. And then that's not quite a story yet, right? We need to flesh it out. And so then I love watching cooking shows. Mm -hmm. They're so much fun. And I, so I said, how about if my character, Cece, really loves cooking? And she, more than that, she loves her grandmother. And she wants to bring her grandmother to visit for her 70th birthday, which in Taiwan is a very big deal. Mm -hmm. And from there, we decided, oh, that's really interesting, especially for cooking, because if I was writing this as a regular prose novel, mm -hmm. I would describe all the cooking they did. I might say, you know, Cece cuts the carrot, and then she dices the celery. And that's not very interesting. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially to a child. Exactly. Yeah. I would not want to read it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Never mind write it myself. Mm -hmm. But in a graphic novel, because you the reader can see all the cooking visually, mm -hmm. now it can be interesting. Now we can see her not just cutting, but what happens. Maybe things are flying around. Maybe, you know, the sauce is getting on her. And it, now it's becoming fun. Absolutely. I mean, that is, the, they say an image speaks a thousand words. So imagine if it's already accompanied by a bit of writing as well, then that's a million words, basically. There's a whole story that they can imagine in their heads. And uh, you did mention that this story, the story of Cece, is sort of uh, inspired by your own upbringing, something that you tapped into deep into yourself. So this makes me wonder, who are you writing for? Are you writing for yourself or you're writing for other small lilies that exist right now and are also probably going through the same questions that you had when you were growing up? I think we do both. I think as a writer, we always have to bring a part of ourselves to the work. Mm -hmm. And I think because of that, a reader can sense it mm -hmm. and, be, and um, 
grow closer to the work because we do it. So I think both of us are audiences. So definitely, so basically to you, literally, Little Lily and all the Little Lilies that exist right now. And especially when you're talking about stories from the diaspora, it's, it's, it's different. It's very different when you have different experiences. Even if somebody moved from um, whichever country to the West and even within Western countries, they, every, every single person is going to have a very different experience. So it is very important to be highlighting these kind of stories, absolutely. And speaking about highlighting those stories, obviously there's been a big boom in representation. A lot of people have been speaking out and saying, hey, I don't see myself in these books that you are promoting and you're posting and you're publishing everywhere. So a lot more people are writing about their own stories and their own cultures. And do you feel that there is an adequate representation of East Asian, East Asian groups and especially Taiwanese people in the literature, especially children's literature that you're seeing around you? I think things have really changed in publishing. Mm -hmm a organization in the US called We Need Diverse Books really brought that into the publishing world. Mm -hmm. Whereas before, it was more difficult to get published as someone um, writing about different culture. But definitely, it's the publishing industry, I feel like, has really exploded in the last few years. Mm -hmm. I was really surprised because before my book was published, I don't remember seeing any books about Taiwanese culture specifically. Mm -hmm. And then within a few years, there were so many. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yes. And uh, one of my critique group members is from India. Mm -hmm. And she is getting published. She, in fact, she has eight books coming out. Wow. Yes, she is such a rock star, Summa Subramaniam. And oh, one of my other critique groups, Bobby Payton. Her book is coming out about the Tinikling dance, which is a Filipino dance. Really? Yes. I think I've heard of it. I think I've seen videos of it, especially on TikTok. Love TikTok as a way to introduce people to various cultures. And like you said, eventually it would drive you to go look for books and uh, various stories yes. about people from those cultures. And could you talk a little bit more about what you're telling us from your stories, especially when the Lunar New Year? And I only know this again through um, social media because I got to see people from different various East Asian groups, whether they're Vietnamese, Taiwanese, from various parts of China, Japan, Korea, etc., how they celebrate the Lunar New Year. So can you tell us more about your book, especially that one in particular, because I know how diverse it seems, what people make it seem like, it's like one monolith, this is how it is, but in, in reality, it absolutely isn't. It's very different in every single culture. That's exactly right. And we were talking, you were asking me about diversity. Mm -hmm. So previously, all the Lunar New Year's books published in the US seem to all be about the Chinese and the Lunar New Year. Yeah. And my book, Chloe's Lunar New Year, is mm -hmm. about the Taiwanese tradition. Mm -hmm. So what happens is on Lunar New Year's Eve, mm -hmm. ev the whole family is supposed to gather and, you know, especially now where families are spread throughout the country yeah and many families have even are living you know different countries mm -hmm. so it's the one time of year where everyone gathers and there's feasting you know uh, retelling stories and just really reconnecting uh, some of the other countries so many countries in Asia 
celebrate Lunar New Year. Mm -hmm. uh, but so many countries have different traditions. Mm -hmm. So in Taiwan, we have reunion dinner. In uh, China and in Taiwan this year, this is the year of the rabbit. Mm -hmm. In Vietnam, this is actually the year of the cat. Interesting. Right? And then uh, Japan does not celebrate Lunar New Year because they are on the solar calendar. Mm -hmm. And I, feel, I love the fact that now readers can see their own culture are um, reflected in these books, and also readers can learn about all these different cultures. Mm -hmm. So with that in mind, what do you hope your books end up doing? Like, what is the goal and objective of your book? I believe that in measuring up my middle grade graphic novel and Chloe's Lunar New Year, which is my picture book, mm -hmm. and my forthcoming book, Unhappy Camper, which comes out in April 23 of next year. Mm -hmm. I hope that it gives, there are three things, that people and readers who are like me can see, will see themselves in it. I've had many people come up to me when I go do these author events, and they're like, they're so happy. They said this is the first time they've been able to see themselves in a book. Mm -hmm. And I had that similar um, feeling once when I was reading a book, The Joy Luck Club, and it's about a Chinese family, but there were things in it that for the first time I thought, oh my gosh, now I understand some of the things that I've experienced myself and mm -hmm. never saw in a book before. Mm -hmm. So I hope to give readers that same experience. And then for people who are not uh, familiar with the Taiwanese culture, mm -hmm. I hope that it's a way for them to see my culture and kind of um, get a better understanding of it. And then a lot of times, for example, in the Clonely's Lunar New Year, my book actually has a recipe in the back of it. Wow. And for measuring up, I did a video with my son and myself cooking one of the recipes from the book. <laughs> That's the one I watched. Oh, yes, did you? Yes. <laughs> He's wonderful. Yeah, he is. He is. He's actually at university right now studying uh, theater. Wow. Yes. So who knows, maybe he can turn one of your, your stories into a play. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah. It could be wonderful, right? Absolutely. Yes. yes. So if they actually make one of my recipes, mm -hmm. now they're actually stepping into my culture too and mm -hmm. experiencing it for themselves. That is truly beautiful. <laughs> and I, I honestly, when I was watching the, um, the video, I truly was like, I, I think I want to try it. I've never heard of it before. And uh, it, was, it looked really delicious. So I'm, I'm loving the fact that he also accompanied, gave us a video of it as well. So we can also visualize it further than the illustrations. And can you tell us about your, um, your role here at the Shardy Children's Reading Festival? Do you have any sorts of discussions coming up? Or are you just here to tell people more about uh, Taiwanese culture and what to well, be, just be representation, basically? Well, I definitely hope to tell people about the Taiwanese culture, but mm -hmm. I am doing a panel here mm -hmm. Thursday night. <laughs> so tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. <laughs> yes. And I have a school visit in the morning. Amazing. I hope you enjoy your the school visits because a lot of authors who have been here in the previous Charter Children Reading Festivals at the International Book Fair, they always enjoy them a lot because the kids can be quite unpredictable. So good luck with that. And I hope that you truly enjoy it. Once again, Lily, thank you so much for joining us and uh, sharing your beautiful experience with us. Shukran Jazilin. Yes. <laughs> This is Pulse 95.
Tune in live every weekday from 4pm.